0: I started out making career changes for myself, I kept finding myself over and over again having the same conversations with other people like friends, coworkers saying, "Hey, you didn't have any experience in HR. How did you transition from operations management into human resource leadership?" Uh, or "How did you get a $40,000 increase when everyone else was" uh, being told that hey, we're not doing raises this this year. No degree, no problem. Any problem we can solve. Linked insomnia keeps us evolving. we growing yeah. in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah. Oh
1: okay. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. Today's guest is Scott Anthony Barlow. But before I introduce him. Follow us on YouTube, smash that like button, listen on your favorite platform, and let a friend know. So Scott is a very special guest. He has his own podcast, and I'm going to give him the honor of introducing himself.
0: I'm really excited to be here. We've been chatting for a couple of minutes before we hit record here, but... I'm pretty excited for this. This is a, this is going to be super fun. And especially because we get to talk about one of my one of my favorite things to discuss, which is how to decide what to do next. And just to give you a little intro, I started out making career changes for myself, I guess approaching 20 years ago, and then I kept finding myself over and over again having the same conversations with other people like friends, coworkers, saying, hey, you didn't have any experience in HR. How did you transition from operations management into human resource leadership? Uh, or how did you get a $40,000 increase when everyone else was being told that, hey, we're not doing raises this, this year? So... Quick introduction, um, I run Happen to Your Career, which many, many years later, I found that after having those types of conversations with people could really help people make those same types of transitions that they wanted to within their life and their work. So my team and I, we run a podcast, Happen to Your Career. Um, If you like podcasts, if that's your sort of thing, which I'm guessing you do, because you run a great one here. Also, we just finished writing writing a book that comes out um, October 11th, by the same name, happened to your career. So we've got we've got a few things
1: going on as it relates to career change, but I appreciate you having me on the show. You know, I, I tell people, listen to podcasts, listen to career podcasts, and listen to all them. Like, I, I recommend other people's podcasts all the time because podcasting has changed my life. Like, there's never been a time where you could just pick up anything on any random topic and there's a person speaking to it for about an hour. Isn't that crazy? Right?
0: Doesn't that just yeah. like blow your mind the amount of, hey, if you need something, all you have to do is go and type it into a podcast player or type it
1: into Google and boom. Yeah. So now let's kind of let's kind of talk. So you work with a lot of career changers. And a lot of people without degrees are career changers, right? They're going from retail, they're worked in the restaurant industry, maybe they due to some physical thing, they don't want to be as physical. What are some commonalities of those without degrees who are career changers?
0: You know, we were actually just talking about this on our team just about a week ago. Because, well, we were talking about it for a variety of different reasons. But Cindy, who is the first person that anybody talks to when they show up at happen to Your Career, and they're looking to figure out, hey, how can I get help with my career change? Well, she doesn't have a degree. And so we were, we were talking about what is the difference in the considerations or what goes through someone's head for someone who might have a degree or or doesn't. And what Cindy was pointing out at the time and what we were talking about is that I think that when you don't have a degree, then a couple things go on. One, some people, many people feel like they need to keep doing the same thing over and over again. They feel stuck in so many different ways. Uh, and we were actually talking about one of our, one of our clients, her name's Kim. She'd been doing sales for years and years and years and was really good at sales, like really good at sales. Gotten to the point where she'd worked herself up to, uh, you know, she was making a little over a hundred K give uh, give or take, uh, but had hit that hundred you K know, mark and then realized, Hey, I don't want to be doing this the same way that I am forever. So she came to us, and and we got to meet her and understand her her problems and her challenges, and she was having a really really difficult time being able to imagine herself outside of this thing that she had worked her like spent so much time and energy and effort working herself up into, and it did two things to her. One, it made her feel like she just didn't know what else that she would be able to do, which is a really common question that comes up for for people that uh, don't have degrees. And that's something Cindy had pointed out too. And then another thing too is it became challenging for her to see how her how her skills would transfer into something that wasn't related to sales. And we see that. That's the commonality that we see over and over again, whether it's sales, whether it is Shoot, I worked in retail for a long time, um, in retail industry. And uh, I also worked in manufacturing, also worked in a lot of other different industries. People get really, really siloed and it becomes difficult to see how what they're doing there actually transfers really well to other industries, other roles, other types of opportunities. And that's one of the biggest challenges that I see over and over again. That's commonality, to answer your question.
1: Yeah. And I, I see that too, because people really underestimate all their transferable skills because in sales, you have communications, you have outreach, you're working with a lot of other departments, you do so many things and they just think like, oh, all I can do is sell. Like I can't manage people. But it's like you're managing customers, you're following up, you're managing your own set of operations, you're working with tools, you're refining processes, you're experimenting. And these are all very transferable skills. So people think that First, they don't value their own experience and they think this gap is much wider than it is. And it's like, hey, once you read a couple of books, talk to a couple of people, yeah, maybe the first few months you have to sort of hit the ground running, but that's nothing crazy for someone in sales. So thank you for addressing all those points. Now, we were talking before and you said you recommend people sort of experiment or using experiments if they don't have degrees. What do you mean by that?
0: <laughs> yeah, great question. And this is, this is definitely something I love to talk about. It's, first of all, what do I mean when I say experiment? Well, when I say experiment, I'm talking about if you are trying to make a career change from, you know, not necessarily just a different industry or a different role or different opportunity, but any possible way that you might be interested in making a career change. I, have zero interest in guiding people to change from one situation that might be something that they're interested in leaving to another situation that really isn't that much better. Because in some cases, we may have just gone from the frying pan to the fire, right? And that that doesn't serve anybody. It doesn't serve the new organization. doesn't serve the new you know people that you're working with. It doesn't serve you. But that said, when I'm talking about experiments... I'm talking about how can we spend a little bit of time and effort and energy up front to assess what is the right direction for me? And how do I how do I spend that time and effort and energy in a way that produces some feedback into my world that helps me understand that I'm heading the right direction for me? So if you want to think about it this way, it's just how do I... How do I do a little bit of upfront work to reduce the risk of me taking something that really isn't right for me? And instead, how can I get reassurances that I am, in fact, on the right path for whatever the right path means for for you? So the right path might be, you know is it does it pay the right amount of money to support my lifestyle? Is it the type of people that I want to spend my time around? The right path might mean, is it pushing me and causing me to grow in the ways that are good for me or great for me arguably it can also be is it serving the other areas of my life too or my other priorities the other things that are important to to me outside of my life like shoot i've got i've got three kids and i loved working in retail but also i eventually grew not to enjoy as much the holiday hours that were associated with with retail. like that was a thing that was wonderful for a while. I loved it. And then it wasn't any longer as as time progressed, and all of a sudden I had three little kids. and now they're teenagers, but if you put me back in that environment with that type of schedule and that type of lack of flexibility, that would no longer be good for me. So it's just I want different things at this point. So experiments really help with two things, actually really three things, but uh, two first. One, it helps you assess what is right for you. And then it helps you gain those reassurances that you are, in fact, heading the right direction. So it helps you validate what you think is right for you as well. Like If you want to think about this as like a science experiment, uh, you might start with a hypothesis, right? So I've got an educated guess of what might be right for me. I think that I would like, I don't know, we said sales earlier, right? Maybe I'd never done sales in the past. Um, Or let's take Kim's situation. I mentioned Kim earlier. She was going from sales and trying to assess what else might be a great situation for her. So she was exploring an industry change from what she was working in. And she had a couple industries that she sort of suspected might be right for her. So maybe in that particular case, the change of industry moving into the tech industry, she thought she might like it, right? Right. So that might be our hypothesis. Well, how can I test that out to figure out if moving into the tech industry is right for me? The other reason experiments can be really, really helpful if we fast forward on Kim's situation. She actually learned that the tech industry was not right for her, which whew, that saved her a number of years. But she also got feedback about what in fact was really useful for her through that process, too. And that redirected her to shift to another area that was more interested. Turned out it wasn't the industry at all that mattered for her. What mattered was that she had the ability to work with people that uh, supported her and mentored her and allowed her to be able to do the things that she does best, which you know, some of those are communication that she was already using in sales. She just wanted to use it in a different, a different way a way that was good for her. So the third thing that can come out of experiments is if you do an experiment really well, it can actually introduce relationships too at the same time. And I can share more about you know how that might work. But Kim ended up meeting some people as she was conducting her experiments that then were pivotal to introducing her
1: to the actual opportunities that came about later on. Yeah, relationships, are so underrated and I think one of the reasons they're underrated is that it's not formulaic right it's not like hey I'm gonna go talk to someone and then it's gonna they're gonna give me all the info and then I'm gonna land a job it's more you're gonna talk to a lot of people you're gonna get bits and pieces from everybody you're gonna get bits and pieces of different perspective and then they're gonna introduce you to other people and as you keep doing it an opportunity arises in sort of a random way that's kind of in a way that you couldn't have predicted. So, do you mind expanding on like the relationship portion? Yeah. And first of all, uh, I
0: heard you say something on your episode 100. Yeah. Which first, congratulations again on episode 100. That's awesome. That's a pretty pretty freaking awesome milestone. And then, but I, I think I heard you say that you had noticed a pattern at some point along the way as you were getting nodegree.com started uh, way back when. In 2014, I think it was, right? Yeah. So yeah. I heard you say something about noticing that, you know, they had people who were making uh, making jumps and getting new jobs in one way or another, a lot of it came from an introduction from a friend or from, you know, a like past coworker or their brother or like all of these things yeah. that seem like it's relationship based, right? So I'm curious. Yeah. I'm gonna turn the I'll answer your question yeah, here in a minute, it. but I'm curious what you've seen. Uh, as well and what you meant when you
1: were, you know, quoting some of that in episode 100. Yeah. You know what it is, is that when I originally started Node Degree, it was a Reddit thread. Someone asked, for those of you who make over six figures, who don't have a degree, what do you do and how'd you get the job? And it was all these jobs that you don't think about, right? It was like sales, it was claims adjuster, it was like serving. Nobody thinks of becoming a claims adjuster when they As a kid, right? It's just somehow they fall into it. And it was like, how'd you get the job? It was like my uncle, my cousin, my friend. It was not a regular strategy. And uh, there's strategies with relationships, But this one was just like, I knew the right person. And they kind of told me to do it. So that's kind of where I was hinting at. But you can also be very strategic with your relationships. Like Kim, she wants to get out of sales and into a different industry. She wants to get into tech. So. She can start look talking to people in tech. She can start talking to people in that. She can talk to former salespeople who went to tech. She can talk to people who left tech and figure out. So that's that's the that's how you get more strategic with relationships. But I find, and you probably find that too, that if people just don't look up, do a lot of research, they'll just kind of reach out to that inner circle and they'll rely on the inner circle. Now, if you have a good inner circle or that inner circle tends to match what you're looking for, good. But oftentimes you may not, right? Especially if you're in sales, your inner circle may all be sales, so they're not really helpful for you to branch out to the tech industry. So that's kind of what I was talking about when I mentioned that. That makes a ton of sense. And
0: that's what I've seen to be true as as well. Like and if you think about it just at its core, like how do people get job opportunities? Well, people rarely get hired from computers, right? I know we talk yeah. about like ATS Uh, you know, applicant tracking systems and all kinds of other things like that. But the job offer doesn't come from... It it never never comes from... I shouldn't say never. I did meet one person who never met a real person whatsoever. And then they ended up getting their job offer via computer, right? Like, but that's one person so far. Who knows? Maybe in the next 15 years, that gets more prominent. But at this point in time, job offers come from other people, which implies that you have to meet other people in order yeah. to do that. Which implies that relationships are important, right? So uh, if we go with that pretext initially, then that means somewhere along the way, it's going to be important that we are considering relationships and how to do that more strategically. What I'm not talking about here is I'm not talking about networking. Like... Yeah. I don't know what your association is with networking, but a lot of people that I meet have really, really negative association with yeah. the word networking. What I'm actually talking about is building relationships in a way that is useful or organic or um, more valuable or more interesting or, you know is good for all parties. Uh, so yeah. not networking where I go out and just meet people for the purposes of asking them for stuff. I hate that. I don't think that that is super yeah. useful at all. Instead, how can I build relationships with people that honestly might be fun to get to know anyways um, yeah. and wonderful for them too? So um, I, can, I can share some of the ways that we do that through experiments in how yeah. we how we might consider that to become a portion, a portion of experiments if you think that that's useful. Yeah, go ahead. Let me hear it. First I'll say this. Experiments are as varied as you can be creative. Like it is literally coming up with what makes sense for the particular situation, which means that there are no limit to types of experiments out there. Uh, the only limit is creativity. Also, we find that there are certain types of experiments that we more frequently run or help our clients run, some more than other. In fact, there's six that are more common. And I'll share just a couple of the of those six too. So this one we call the social Goldilocks. In Goldilocks story, of course, you're, everybody's pretty familiar with that yeah. for the most part. Like, yeah, the three bear, she goes in, she tries all the chairs, like this one's too big, this one's too small, this one has a corner office, this one, like all of the things, like sit in it, try the oatmeal. So the, it's the same idea here, uh, but we call it the social Goldilocks. So I'll use a different situation. We had we had someone, her name was Laura. And Laura was trying to decide, hey, I'm really interested in product management in a tech type of company, I'm also interested in innovation. And she didn't have experience in either of these at all. So she's like trying to decide, do I need to go to school to do this? Do I need to like, how on earth do I get from one area to another? But also she had this further uh, thing that was bugging her in the back of her head. is like, hey, I don't want to go through tons and tons of effort only to realize that I don't even want to be in product management (laughs) or I don't even want to be involved in innovation because that's no good for anybody either, Right. So what we worked with her to do is design some really simple experiments around this. And we used this social Goldilocks style method, which was she would reach out or get introductions to people who were already doing these types of roles. And she would have very simple, very quick, I would say relatively quick conversations with people who are already in these types of roles to be able to get feedback on if this is something she would really actually like. So she uh, thing number one she would do is uh, she would identify those people. Sometimes she would use LinkedIn. Sometimes she would know know of somebody through a friend of a friend. And uh, she might reach out to them and say, Hey, I'm in the midst of a career change. I am trying to figure out if product management is something that I'm interested in going into. I don't have experience in it, but I'm trying to decide if this is something I want to go forward with. Would you be willing to spend 15 minutes with me to ask a few questions about your experience with project management? And what's crazy about that is, when she did it really well, she'd get about 70 percent of the people say, "Yeah, I'd, I'd sure. yeah, I'd love to." I'd be thrilled to pieces to talk to you about that." And then she would go, and she'd have those conversations. She would ask questions like, hey, what do you love about product management? What was the way that you got into product management? What would you advise people who are new to product management to be able to get in there? What are the types of experiences that they should have or the types of uh, training that they should get? What are a variety of different ways to be able to get that too? Because I want to be really clear, like uh, a lot of people think that I don't know. It's pervasive in our society that degrees, like, is the way that we need to go get education and training and everything like that. And I wholeheartedly disagree with that. It's we find that less than ten percent of the time for people that we work with is that actually the right way. Is that a good use of time and money and effort and years? And and ninety percent of the time, we find that it is not. And there's a better way. So Laura is collecting all this information. And she is doing two things. One, she just started some relationships, right? Like that's one of the things that occurred out of this by going and and reaching out and meeting new people and having these conversations with them. She now has a relationship. Those are the beginnings of a relationship. And then two, she was able to assess quickly through a variety of short conversations that she didn't want anything to do with innovation. Like she didn't really like the stigmas around it she didn't really like the people who she found were actively involved in innovation um at least not enough to be able to really desire to work with them but she did find that product management was something that she could sink her teeth into so it reinforced that for her now once she made that decision she had also talked to a variety of different companies well one of those organizations she was really excited about so the cool thing here is once she had all that feedback and reinforced that, hey, I'm heading potentially a right direction for me, she's in a different scenario. Now she was able to reach out to the people that she'd already talked to in this one particular organization and say, hey, I would love to talk to you about what it would take for me to work there in the future. And then it's a totally different kind of relationship. Like if I walked in off the street and said, hey... (laughs) I'm going to talk about, uh, to you about you know, working uh, at no degree. And you probably look at me like, I'm crazy. If we had no relationship whatsoever, right? You're like, thank you very much, but no.
1: I get a lot of those. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, first of all, I'm not hiring. You. I don't know anything about you. <laughs> I mean, you there's no relationship, like, know, right? Yeah, there's no relationship. And the thing is, I spend so much time building relationships. I already have a group of people that I'm going to go to when I need that role or a group of people I'm going to ask for recommendations from. That's how I've hired all the people that have ever worked with me. And it's just like, and if you come to me randomly, you better know what I'm about. Like, you should know that I have a podcast. You should have some idea, right? Then I'll entertain it. But I get so many people like, hey, I have an MBA in this. I have a, you know, master's in this. I just, and I was like, that's... (laughs) cool to have, but that's not how you should introduce yourself to me, right? Just, yeah, so I, yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, and that's that's such a good example, too, because that's so often what happens. But something else I heard you say is that you already have a pool of people that when you go to hire are in the back of your head like, oh, yeah, like that would love to have that yeah. person on board, right? So if we think about a well-designed experiment what we're doing is we're engineering a way to become a part of that pool of people, which sounds a little bit crazy, but that's sort of what we're doing here. Like now Laura, she had some great, I should say that it wasn't just magical. Like she had some really great interactions and there was a lot of skill on her part that went into successfully having these meetings, having these interactions, being really curious about what they had going on. And that benefited her because she got to learn that Hey, this is a potential right direction for me. Long before she ever, you know, started saying, Hey, could I potentially work there? Like, and then it that puts her in a different position. So when she does decide, you know, she's able to have a different conversation. And she's already in the back of their mind. So now yeah. she's engineered that. The other thing I should point out, too, is that later on in the process. It puts you in a different situation. Like if somebody had applied off of the street to be able to go into that product management type of role, well, first of all, I should say they didn't even have an opening actually for that. So she basically created an opening for herself, if you want to think about it that way. But let's say that they had and they're comparing, you know, their interactions with Laura or this stack of resumes. Well, it, it creates two different, two different situations and Laura was able and would have been able to just completely bypass that whole first set of stages that almost everyone else is gonna go through. Right. So it puts you in a different place to be able to actually get where you want to go to.
1: Yeah. No, and I think it's so important because I come across so many people, oh, I want to break into software engineering. I want to break into that. And then I'll ask them and I'll be like, why do you want to break into it? Like, oh, I won't make as much money in my current career. So I have to switch. And this specific person, right? They ended up marketing background. And I was, she was like, I'm stuck. I I won't pass the 60 to 70 K mark in my current career. I won't get to six figures. And then I was like, if you don't like the career, why are you doing it? I was like, let me look. I was like, hey, it's more about how you present yourself, more about representing yourself accurately. And she had the net, the building relationship portion down. So then like I helped her with the resume. She actually got her promotion at Microsoft after like a year to a different position. But she got like a significant increase. But it was, again, she was having the conversations. She was setting herself up. And I don't want people to switch to careers that just for the money, there are many ways to make money. And you're going to make more money doing something that you at least somewhat enjoy and that you're good at as opposed to trying to fit into this mold. Because there are so many careers that people leave. They leave just because they have an idealized version of a career. Like for sales, people just think like, hey, I'm just going to get sales. I'm going to close these big deals and then make lots of money and that's it. But it's like, hey, there's a lot of rejection. Some of these deals take forever. You get some of these things just break apart last minute. And it's like, that's a part of the job. There's no salesperson that just has rainbows. It's a lot of that, a lot of research. So it's very important to talk to people so you have a realistic idea of what goes on. Yeah, and I think that,
0: It's to to your point, if you're just making a move for one reason, like money, it's probably not going to last for like when you make that change. And let's say that you get the like your goal is to, I need to change because I need to make more money. Um, But if that's the only thing that you're changing for, then it's almost always going to be short lived, it's almost always going to have an expiration date. And that's not helpful to anybody. It's not helpful to the new company. It might be better for a short period of time, but then the honeymoon period wears off and it's still marketing or still whatever, you know, whatever it was that you were trying to trying
1: to make a move to. I advise my clients to sort of do experiments. And let me know if this doesn't count as an experiment. Go but for I've it. But I've always said, especially for people who are younger, I said, you know, they're coming from a completely different background. And let's say they want to get into event planning. And I'll tell them, volunteer at some events to help out. See if you like that aspect. And then you can actually put that as experience on your resume. You can actually start building relationship, building contact. And then you can see, like, do I like doing this a few hours a week? And how is it going to be? Same thing, like, you want to be social media manager. Okay, hey, manage the social media for a local business, right? Take some courses. See how it is in small doses. Do you like it? What are the problems that arise? If you do like, and again, that's how you... Get a portfolio. Would that count as experiments? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. And if you want to think about volunteering, there's
0: other ways that you can cut up volunteering too. Like, I think volunteering, not in, it depends on what your goal is within the experiment. I've seen a lot of people that are like, well, it's easy to volunteer and it's something that we can point at as a way to experiment. But let's say that you're going and you're volunteering and you're not getting to meet the types of people that potentially yeah. can help you or hire you then it might not necessarily be that useful if if you're looking at it through the lens of what we call multi-benefit experiments yeah no all um, right that said though like if you are volunteering and getting experience in something that you want to assess is this right for me like is this yeah. you know is this going to be a thing that I want to do more of then that can be really valuable on its own. So yes is a short answer. Another way to volunteer is maybe within your existing role. And this is something we call the paid research method. You know, paid research might be, hey, I'm already at this job. I'm already getting paid for it. What if I volunteer to take on an additional project that I happen to be interested in? Social media is a great one. Actually, one of the ways that I began learning social media years and years and years ago was just volunteering and saying, "Hey, like, I'll, I'll start the, you know, I'll, I'll start the social media account for this particular organization. I'll take that on. I want to learn about it anyway. Um, I just raised my hand, and it ended up that I was probably working a little bit more than if I hadn't volunteered. But it got me experiences that led to a different set of experiences. So uh, it became really valuable for me
1: assessing what I liked and what I didn't enjoy that much." And I think the other thing about experiments is sometimes you end up finding something very niche within that area and you're like, that's what I like. Just like you said, Kim realized that it wasn't the industry. It was more about, does she get to work with people? Does she get to collaborate? And I think that's very important because once you find that out, then you realize that there are so many opportunities that you can actually get. And like, for example, you know what's interesting? Through my career, I've learned that I love talking to people. <laughs> you know? And it's something that yeah. it's like, okay, podcasting is perfect. Like, when I work with my clients, I get to talk to them. I enjoy meetings with other entrepreneurs. I enjoy being on other podcasts. I enjoy live streaming. I enjoy tour spaces. And it's like, I had to sort of do those things. Like, who's going to know, like, hey, you can talk to people five hours straight and not have any issues? So, what I used to do, is I spend one to three hours a day walking around. Like, I didn't mind the job, but I needed that interaction just because I genuinely enjoyed. And it, it led to a lot of good things. But it's one of those things that if you have something that you're so good at and that sets you apart, it's good to sort of find a job that, or find a way to weave it into your job. And you're going to get so many benefits that these people have kept in touch with me. I've always had good relationships at work. And... You just have life you make for me, it makes lifelong friends. you know what's fascinating about to help people self
0: diagnose their strengths and particularly what we call signature strengths is what are the what are the things that you find yourself doing over and over and over again that weren't even a part of your job? And for you, it sounds like, you're, you were going to great lengths to spend one to three hours a day so that you could have those things that you couldn't stop doing, quite frankly. I don't think we would be able to pay you to stop doing that. It would be painful no, for No, no.
1: I mean, you'd have to pay me a lot of money. Yeah, and yeah. I couldn't do it. It's just like I'd figure out a way to make money with talking to people. Yep, and exactly. It's funny because that's such a great question to ask because oftentimes I found that this is a historical thing throughout their life. Like, I have my second grade report card and all my elementary school report cards, was like he's a good student, but he he talks too much. He's always talking. And it's just funny how it's a repeated theme. And one the thing, because I'm a certified career coach, is you can't escape your strengths. Like you're just going to find a way. You love research. You love collaborating. You're always going to find a way to do that. So when you're kind of choosing your career, find a way that, find one that respects that strength of yours. Yeah. Yeah,
0: for sure. And I think, that to to your point, it's really easy to look at the negative side too. Like I heard you say, hey, he's a really good student, but yeah. which I would say, I would argue that that's not a but. It's a yeah, he's yeah. a good student, and uh, he also <laughs> talks to everybody. My my son actually just got this feedback from his teacher too. He's the type of person who would make friends with anybody in any country. You don't even have to speak the same language, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So we went to conferences the other day and his teacher's like, yep, he could make friends with a pine cone. And he does. Yeah. Like, that's a a thing. And some of his teachers actually really look at it as a negative. And I would argue that it's not a negative at all. It is two sides of the same coin. Yes, maybe there's things that happen that are a negative from it, but it's all from that strength to your point. Like, you're not going to be able to stop doing it. Yeah. So it's...
1: I tell people, hone in on your strengths, you'll be so much happier, you'll do so much better, and you won't sort of dread work. So let's kind of talk about, you mentioned something about there are tactical things that you should do in your job search. Do you mind expanding what you meant by that?
0: Yeah. You know, I think one of the really nice things about experiments, I'll say first, is that it helps make it so some of those tactical pieces, you don't even have to think about like the situation we talked about with Laura where she just got to bypass a whole huge portion of what people believe is the job search process, right? Like she just got put put like if there were, you know, 10 steps to be able to get that that role with that organization, then she just got fast tracked to step number 6 basically. There's that side of it where strategically you can avoid a lot of the tactical pieces. But on the other side too, you know we've been we've spent a lot of time talking about uh relationships and i find over and over again that something that is underrated we'll say you you talked about relationships being underrated in the first place but what's really really even more underrated i believe is how to be able to build relationships when you don't have that relationship mm, already yes so i'll i'll give you a couple examples here so let's say that, and and this has been the case for a lot of the people that we've helped over the years, where they might know that they're interested in a particular organization. Like in Laura's case, you know, one of the organizations she was interested in is this assessment company called the Predictive Index. Right? She's really into into self development, and it just really kind of jived with with some of the things that she was fascinated with. So she had about 3 or 4 other organizations that she was also interested in. So what happens at that point in time when you know you might be interested in these organizations and you have to somehow be able to build relationships with people but you're not necessarily sure how to how to be able to do that. So that is an entire skill set in itself in how do you be able to reach out and uh, be able to go from no relationship all the way to now we're BFFs, right? So when we talk about tactical, there's a variety of different ways to do that. And I will tell you that um, the easiest way to do that is to find somebody who can introduce you because it is, well, maybe for obvious reasons, it's easier to have a, what you might hear called a warm introduction as opposed to a cold introduction. You know how we were just talking earlier about like, hey, you get all the emails uh, from people saying, hey, I want to work there. I've got a master's degree and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, I don't know you. I have no idea who you are. (laughs) Thank you very much. But no. Um, Well, you have no trust with that person because you have no relationship, right? If I have the ability, then it would be better for me to, um, to get an introduction because some of that trust gets carried over with the person who's introducing you uh, to you. And then it lands on you, sticks on you. And then there's a little bit of association type of trust that is now carried over. So here's an easy thing that people never think of. Like they rarely ever think about this. People understand the concept of introductions, but what if you go ahead and you write the introduction for the person who's going to introduce you? Ooh, and that does a number of different things. Yeah, make it yeah. easy. Exactly. That's one thing that it does because so many times I've heard over and over again, it's like, hey, this person said they're going to introduce me, but they haven't. It's been two weeks now. And maybe they don't want to introduce me anymore. And our, you know, my argument back of you, they said they wanted to introduce you, but they probably it's now probably not a priority for them. So how do you make it as easy as possible for them? And one of the best ways that you can do is write that for them. So they just have to, you know, make a few modifications, maybe, and then press send and then it's done. And also, you can usually write something that is serving you and the next step better, which might be to meet with that person. So you can actually craft the email or message that particular way. So that's one one tactical hack. Here's another one. People will go to interviews and they will not know what to do. After the interview has ended and everyone's agreed on, hey, we're going to call you in a week and let you know. Well, a week goes by, right? You've probably heard this this story before in so many different ways. Week goes by. They haven't called yet. Chances are high they just got busy or something else popped up or they underestimated the amount of time that something was going to take. Either way, none of that feels great when you're in the candidate chair. Like it feels terrible. <laughs> I like, go, do I call? Do I not call? Do I send a message? I don't want to seem needy. Like all the all the questions that pop up. So one way to deal with that before it ever happens is take control of the situation in terms of follow up. And the way that that might sound is at the end of the interview, saying, "Hey, what would be the best way to contact you if I have additional questions?" May I contact you if I have additional questions? Uh, and then they might say, well, email. Okay, what's the best email for that? And then you can actually like get their email or get their phone number. Uh, or you know, also then agreeing upon, hey, if I don't hear from you by that week, can I just give you a call, pick up the phone, and can we talk through next steps at that point in time? So you never have to wonder. You already are leaving the interview understanding and agreeing upon, which by the way, is making it easier for them too, because now it's one less thing that they have to worry about if you're taking control of that. And then when you follow up, it comes off differently. You come off as I'm owning the situation, which is a different type of interaction, which instills them with confidence a week later when you call, like you said you would, and then you deliver on the thing that you agreed upon. So there's, there's two really, really easy ones.
1: Yeah, no, those are good. And this is just underrated advice. Always make it easy for someone to help you because it takes energy to help someone. But if you make it that they just have to click forward, they just have to change like two words and all that, you'll get more people helping you. You'll also be able to get people helping you with bigger things that they normally don't help you with because you've set yourself up in a certain position. For example. I'm pretty sure you 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 get people who come to you and they're asking you a lot of questions. And sometimes it's like, hey, I literally had like two podcast episodes. Now, the people who've listened to like 10, 20 episodes of your podcast and they come to you with questions, their questions are so specific that you're sort of excited to answer them because this is sort of new and this is sort of interesting and this is what you like to do. And then... They get much more value because it's much more specific, and they get to actually get your unique perspective, as opposed to like, "Hey, how do I gain some social media experiment?" It's like, "Hey, look, I had a whole podcast dedicated to that."
0: Yeah, yes, had that just the other day. Somebody had, and and I want to help every single time, yeah. but we've reached the point where, like, I
1: yeah, it's even much. though we have I, team, trust me, I know, like,
0: yeah, it's not that people don't want to help, but like, somebody the other day asked me about hey, I want to hear about your story. Would you be able to meet up for 20 minutes? And and it's like, oh, thank you so much for asking, but I'm sorry, I can't. Like this book would never get written if I said yes
1: to every single person that is uh, asking. And the other thing is people appreciate those who help themselves and people appreciate those who respect boundaries because then you're like, okay, this person is not going to keep, because you have those people who just keep on asking, asking. It's like, look, there's only so much free time in a day. There's a lot that's going on. There's only one of you and, you know, your team, and it just you have a lot of things that you want to get on. So, let's slowly start to wrap up. Let's talk about the book. Tell me about the book.
0: Oh my goodness. The book is a product of the last 4 years. I this is this is the third book that I've been involved with, but nothing like this. This is our first what you might call mainstream book. It's called Happen to Your Career. An unconventional approach to meaningful work. And I'm looking over here. Show me. Because I actually have got a copy back here. Anyhow, yeah. Happened to your career. Unconventional approach to career change and meaningful work. And that's really what it's about. It is about strategically focusing on the activities that are going to deliver much more fulfillment when your goal is meaningful work that pays well. because. Unfortunately, at this point in time, so few people in the world, so few people in the world, even in the US where we have so many more opportunities for meaningful work that pays incredibly well, uh, still very, very, very small percentage of people actually have that. And that's something that I want to change for the entire world, quite frankly, but also at the same time, the way that my company gets to impact that is one person at a time. So... We took what we've learned over the last 10 years of helping people make what we call unicorn-level career changes, those career changes that people don't believe are, are real or they're mythical or they're you know supposed to be impossible, and then we've put that into the book to be able to share specifically how people have made those types of transitions and changes in their particular world. So that's, that's what it's about. It's coming out October 11th.
1: I'm definitely going to grab multiple copies. I want my listeners to grab multiple copies. So how would people support you? How would people support your podcast? How would people just support the overall mission? The easiest way is go to career.com.
0: That's our home base. Everything you're going to find there. Like, you know, presale for, for the book to be able to order it early. All the way to links to the podcast where you can choose your favorite podcast player and listen. And honestly, the best way to support this type of change for yourself is make sure that you are taking steps so that you can get to what your version of meaningful, well-paid work is. One of the best ways to do that to get started, um, certainly if, if you're listening to this when when the book is out, uh, buy the book, that's a great primer and helpful way to understand how to do that for yourself. But also, we have an easy way to start where you can go to figureitout.co. figureitout.co is it'll take you to an eight-day mini course where it'll send you emails one a day for eight days and give you a series of questions to help you figure out what really truly is going to be right for you. And that will be a wonderful way to get started if you're not sure where to start down the path of of meaningful work that pays well.
1: I love it. I want to thank you so much for your time. Uh, Would love to do this again. You know, always love yeah. hearing updates and absolutely love seeing changes. If you want things to happen to your career, listen to the Happen to Your Career podcast. Five hundred plus episodes of so much info. I always encourage people to listen to career podcasts. It makes a big difference. It's changed my life, and I know it'll change yours too. Thank you, everyone. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully, this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show's worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and we'll go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at janaidikvall.com. Spelled J O N A E D, last name I Q B A L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, no degree.com.